0: Yo, what's good? It's Big Sky Breakdown. Coulter Nuanez here, SkylineSportsMT.com. You already know, that's where you can find all the Big Sky Breakdowns. This Big Sky Breakdown, talking a variety of different things. Talking spring Big Sky Conference football with myself, as well as Brooks Nuanez from Skyline Sports, as well as Sam Herter from Hero Sports. We'll also hear our ESPN Roundtable that we air each week on ESPN Missoula, as well as statewide on SWX Montana Television. This week's ESPN Roundtable features Mac Anderson. He's a junior center for the Montana Grizz Men's Basketball Team. He joined myself and Sean Rainey for the ESPN Roundtable this week. He's the only Montana native. He's a Bozeman native playing for the Grizz. Only Montana native playing for Montana. And then we'll have some preview stuff for the games later this week. Montana's game's called off. Uh, The Lady Grizz do have a game on Friday night. Montana State's women eked out a 61-57 road win at Sac State on Wednesday night. They'll play Sac again on Friday night. The Grizz men are off this weekend. And then the Bobcat men and Sac State men in Bozeman Friday and Saturday. So we'll hear from Brian Katz from Sacramento State as well as Danny Sprinkle from Montana State. It is the Big Sky Breakdown presented proudly by Blackfoot Communications.
1: Change is constant, and nowhere is this truer than with your company's network and network security. With an intelligent SD-WAN solution from Blackfoot Communications, you have a scalable network that quickly connects remote offices and protects your business from downtime. SD-WAN from Blackfoot. For more information, visit blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more.
0: Hey, welcome in to the Big Sky Breakdown, Colter Nuanas. As always, you can find this podcast, SkylineSportsMT.com. Big Sky Breakdown proudly presented by Blackfoot Communications. Really happy that they are a part of this thing, and I hope everybody's been enjoying our new newsletter that we've collaborated with Blackfoot on, and I hope you're enjoying all the good content we have at SkylineSportsMT.com as well. It's been pretty busy the last couple weeks, and this last weekend, We had uh, football on the docket. We're going to be talking talking mostly Big Sky hoops, but uh, Brooks is joining me on the Big Sky Breakdown. Did you get a chance to watch any football? I know it was a birthday weekend for you, so it's okay if you say no, but I I got a chance to watch some on Saturday.
2: Yeah, I watched just a touch. Um, I got to see some some Eastern Washington, Idaho, which ended up a little different than I think a lot of us may have thought, Um, but Eastern Washington was missing. Head coach Aaron Best due to some COVID restrictions, so... That always throws a wrench in things, especially when you're playing spring football indoors or in a rivalry game. So that was all different. I I got to watch some highlights from around the country, especially uh you know, the big news of North Dakota State falling to uh to to Illinois State. So uh all that was, was pretty exciting.
0: <laughs> let's let's start there for a second, then I think that it encompasses just how bizarre this whole year is because right now North Dakota beat South Dakota State on Saturday and Southern Illinois defeated North Dakota State. And so now, for the first time as Division One members, North Dakota is ranked ahead of NDSU in the national polls. What could be more 2020-2021 than that?
2: That's yeah, beautiful, right. It's, uh, it doesn't really get a whole lot better than that. I, I, those guys have always thought of that as not a rivalry. North Dakota sees North Dakota State as a rival, but North Dakota State does not see it as such. And I think that that is pretty telling. I can't wait for them to line that at one up for sure. That's
0: something, too, when we talk about the new head coach at Montana State, Brent Vegan, he has been asked frequently and almost nauseatingly about the Kakariz rivalry. We don't need to delineate and go on a tangent all about that, but he has said, oh, well, I've been a part of a great rivalry in North Dakota and North Dakota State. Well, that was a great rivalry for 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, when they were both Division II members in the North Central Conference. Well... When North Dakota State moved up to Division One in two thousand four, and North Dakota did not move up for four more years, that rivalry ceased, and they did not play for the better part of a decade. And North Dakota State helped found the Missouri Football Conference, at Missouri Valley Football Conference. They didn't let North Dakota in. North Dakota was kind of this redheaded stepchild that was in the Great West and then the Big Sky, until finally finding their home in the Missouri Valley. And so I think that it is a little bit uh, different of a rivalry. It's not the same because, like you said, North Dakota State doesn't see North Dakota as their rival anymore because they really didn't have a rivalry for the better part of 10 years. But we digress. A couple more things on spring football before we jump into basketball. Brooks, I just want to tell you this schedule for the University of Idaho. They play UC Davis this week in Moscow. Then they're at NAU. Then they have a bye. Then they play Southern Utah, Idaho State, and then they're at Eastern Washington for a rematch to finish the season. To me, that looks like a schedule that could put the Vandals in a position to be in the playoffs. What say you?
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think, I think that's where they should be all the time. I mean, gosh, you know, it's a, a team that has, has a lot of tradition and has had a lot of success, especially in the last you know 30 years, but in, in, in a shorter time frame, you know, a team that was recruiting FBS talent and a team that, you know, I think regionally still has a footprint in the Northwest. Um, so, yeah, it sounds like a schedule that will shape up for them to to win a spring football season. It's like a, we should call this something else. We should create a new, a new name for this style of football because it's like not, nothing we've ever seen. So maybe it's a little bit of an anomaly in that sense. But, you know, when Idaho's not playing Montana, Montana State – the the league gets a little bit easier, so you, you, you'd hope they could make a run for it. Who knows what the playoffs look like as far as uh, the spring season goes. But, yeah, that schedule looks like it's it's probably going to shape up pretty well for them.
0: Weber State, they had a resounding 49-21 win over Idaho State. They're up 42-7 late in the third quarter before taking their foot off the gas a little bit. Uh, a little bit of a revelation with the play of freshman quarterback Bronson Barron. To me, he looks like a guy – That has been the missing piece for Weber State, and now they got that piece. So that makes Weber State definitely scary. Weber State's number two in the country this week in the polls. That's the highest they have ever been ranked. Their remaining schedule includes a bye this upcoming week because their game against Cal Poly has been rescheduled for April 17th, the end of the season. Then they play UC Davis at home on March 13th. They have another bye. Then they have Northern Arizona. At home, and then they're at Southern Utah, and then they're at home against Idaho State. To me, that also looks like a slate in which the Wildcats could go undefeated.
2: Yeah, and I think that you know they'll be the the preeminent team uh, without Montana, Montana State, as mentioned um, in the league, and they have been for the last for the better part of the last five years. And, I mean, with a, with a really strong you know ten year run under Jay Hill. I mean, it's that program has been nationally relevant, a top ten at all times, if not a top five program, a lot of the times. You'd, you'd assume that they're the cream of the crop right now in the, in the big sky. And without having to be quite as battle-tested, you never know what the playoffs look like.
0: It is a strange deal. I was at the same time happy to be watching football um, and also happy that the Montana schools weren't playing. And uh, it, it's just weird. It, it, it was It was just a strange deal. I'm so interested to see how these – teams navigate this. So I have one more question for you on the on the football front, Brooks. I think that there's an opportunity here where there's a, it's a 16-team playoff field. There's 11 automatic bids for the playoff field. Therefore, you're only going to probably get maybe one at large bid out of the Big Sky that's not the conference champion. But we'll see. Those at large bids could go then to the Missouri Valley because they have more teams playing, so they're going to have a better strength of schedule. And so I'm just so interested to see, what, even, even if there's two teams from the Big Sky that get in, I think that two losses is sort of the break-even point for this spring season. When you have your second loss, now your playoff hopes are sort of over. So then, how does that impact both the integrity and the use of the spring season? If you're Eastern Washington and you start one and two, why would you ever play Eric Berrieri? if you're trying to save them for the fall, you know, if you want, I, and there's a lot of different scenarios. At what point then do you do, do you transition to turning it into a developmental season rather than a, uh, a chase for the playoffs? I mean, what, what are your thoughts on just the fact that, uh, your second loss basically may, might have you pivot in the way that you handle the rest of the spring?
2: Yeah. You know, when do you do that? Uh, you do it two months ago and you cancel the spring season <laughs> right. and popped out. Um, that's you know that's just how I see it, but um, I think it's going to be different for each program. It really just depends on you know what your recruiting classes have looked like the last couple of years. If you have a if you have a sophomore class that everyone redshirted, and you have thirty redshirt sophomores or, or what say you, it's a great time to play a bunch of young guys, you know. But at the same time you don't really want to line up a bunch of inexperienced guys who've never played in a college game against a Weaver state team trying to, to make a playoff surge. You know, that's not very safe either. So I think once you commit, you play, you know, I think that's just how it, it It's a shortened season. Uh, there's going to be some hiccups. There's going to be some blowouts. I imagine there's going to be some, you know, some teams that are unprepared. I think you go into each game uh, with the plan of we're going to play to win. And if, Things change, you know, maybe by halftime or in the second half, then you start to implement a different, you know, some platoons of of younger players, inexperienced players, get some guys some reps. But overall, if you're going to play the season, I I definitely think that, you know, it's the best for the kids and the experience to, to try to win games.
0: Big Sky Breakdown presented proudly by Blackfoot Communications. Pivoting to basketball, we have a little bit more clarity now in the Big Sky Conference races. It seems like there's a defined top three on each side. On the women's side, it's Idaho State, Idaho, and Montana State. And on the men's side, it's Eastern Washington, Weber State, and Southern Utah. But I think it's hard to sort of delineate between the top three contenders. So, uh, Brooks, two-part question on the women's side. Do we have a defined favorite going into the tournament? And do you see a scenario where any team in the league wins the tournament other than those defined top three?
2: Um, I don't think that there's a defined favorite. I think that there the top three, even four teams are 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 pretty darn good. I, I, there's not an elite player, which is which is a difference. You know, the last handful of years, there's been at times multiple elite players on some of the favorite teams. We look back at Idaho with Michaela France and Taylor Pierce, or even Idaho, the, you know, the year before, in the first year of Reno, um, with with uh, Christina Salvatore. You know, it's got players that are that are first team all conference, almost unanimous, unanimously, mostly and can be MVP candidates. Um, right now, like I think that the, there's going to be quite a few different uh, girls that get MVP votes. I think that there's you know kind of a smattering of good players, but they're not all on one team. And I think there's also some teams that are interesting. You know, I like I kind of like NAU. I think NAU women have they have five or six girls that can really play and they have some experience. I love Lori Payne as a coach. She's a great motivator. She also does the X's and O's one of the more well-rounded, uh, you know, younger coaches as well in the league. Um, uh, you know, that's a team that when I see play, I'm like, well, this team could beat anybody, you know, it's, it's all about, do they have the three point shooting? Like some of the teams do, you know, Idaho has had the three point shooting for, for years and years now. And Idaho state plays more of that bully ball. Um, you know, Montana's had, Grids have had a pretty good run the last, couple of months, uh, last, we'll call it a month. You know, they had a little five-game winning streak in there, and they've played well in between there as well. So um, you know, I, I think that the league is a little bit more open than it has been, and uh, and part of that's just due to the nature of, of the world these days. So there's a lot of uncertainty for everything. And I think in, uh, when it comes Boise time, I think up to five teams could win it.
0: It is an interesting point that there's not just the one player. There's not the Savannah Smith or the Michaela Ferens or Taylor Pierce or you know. There's so many of these players that we've covered over the last several years that could just straight win you tournament games. I don't really know if there is one of those. You're right in the league, except for maybe Beyonce Bay at Idaho. I'm not sure. I'm so interested to see how some of the players then blossom on the biggest stage too, though, because I do think that. We're about 10 games behind what a normal sample size would be as well because we didn't have the same non-conference, and we've had all these cancellations. Usually teams are going into their 30 or 32nd games this time of year instead of just getting into the 20s. So uh, that should be a big impact. I think that the fact that there is not that one defined – I, I think Darian White's an elite player. I just don't know if she can win you a game from a scoring perspective. Um, and, and same with some of the other players in the league, to be sure. But then that brings me to the all-conference stuff. We talked about some all-conference stuff lately, but uh, I guess that we kind of agree that the Big Sky MVP should be from the Big Sky Championship team. And so if we still have the regular season title to be determined, could be Idaho State, could be Idaho, could be Montana State. If If any of those three teams win the regular season title, who is the MVP from each of those teams?
2: Yeah, it's tough, man, um, because there, there, there are some, some well-rounded teams today. I think Darian White from Montana State would definitely be, um, would get the nod in, in that case. I think Idaho State has several different players, but as far as the player, I think that maybe impacts the, the broadly impacts the, the most aspects of a game is Callie Bourne from Idaho State. I agree. She rebounds the ball. She plays on ball quite a bit. She can bring the ball up. Uh, she's a true point forward in a way. You know, she's a gal that lines up on the block during free throws to box out as well as can bring the ball down the court. Um, not a ton of those in the league really ever. I mean, it's kind of a unique position that she plays and kind of her her playing style. Um, at times, it's not the prettiest, but she definitely gets it done. Um, she passes the ball, rebounds the ball, and, she, and can make shots and, and score inside. So it would be Callie Bourne for me there if Idaho State wins it. I think Idaho State's the best team. Um, Dora Goal is another – candidate from idaho state but she's much more of a scorer and she definitely drifts in and out of games in a, in, a, in a kind of a beautiful way i mean she has a great style one of the prettiest shots i've ever seen to be honest her shooting stroke is just tremendous um, and she's developed you know over the course of her career she gets better all the time and that's kind of what, something you see from someone who ends up having an mvp style season but still she doesn't impact the game in the same way and then from idaho you know gabby harrington who transferred from uh from montana has had a great year you know she's she's had a lot of think, box scores of 18 and seven, you know, and you know, she's rebounds the ball really well, especially for the, the style of scorer that she is. Uh, but Beyonce Bay is, and I hope we all are saying her name right. We've never, I think we have it confirmed. I mean, it looks like I think Beyonce, we do. Bae, but I think it's Beyonce, Beyonce Bay. Um, she's, I said it last year, the first time I actually saw her play, and I got to see her in the tournament quite a bit. Um, you know, she was my preseason MVP this year. I, I didn't really think it was all that close. Um, I think Darian White, is probably the best all-around player in the league. But Dari White has times where she can impact the game so tremendously and have seven points. You know, she may not finish with seven, but she's late in the, in, the, in the third quarter, early in the fourth, and she's got seven points. You know, she's, she's three of, of nine shooting. I mean, it's, she can have underwhelming offensive performances, even though she usually does get to a point total that does help her team. Uh, Beyonce Bay is a, is a true dominant style of player at this level. In the mid-major college ranks, um, she is a she is a 18 and 10 kind of player. Uh, she, she can score from everywhere. She's one of the most fluid uh, turnaround 16, 18 footers I've ever seen in the in the women's league since we started doing this. Um, I think that she's a force that's gonna, you know, dominate the league like she has this year as well as the next two years. I think that uh, the the player that could win you a game is her, and I think that she's done that for Idaho. Um, she would be my vote, uh, but I think Gabby Harrington would also be deserving on the Idaho side. Well What about you, Colter? Same kind of in the same alignment? Totally.
0: I think that I had to see Idaho State in person to know exactly who I was defining as their top player. I watched Idaho State with outdoor Golis, so that definitely impacted my opinion of them. But I think that everything you said about Callie Bourne, I think she's really versatile. She can guard on the perimeter and guard in the post. I also think she can play on and off the ball. I think how well they move the ball. She's kind of the linchpin to that because she moves so well without it. And uh, I also think that on a team that defines themselves via toughness, she's their toughest player. And so I think that that uh, really sets her apart as well. It would be interesting if she won the MVP because she has, um, she has very mediocre scoring numbers, but I think that's the brilliance of what they do. They have four or five players averaging in double figures scoring and, uh, Dora Golish leads them with only about 13 points per game. So Kelly Barnes, she's averaged about 10 points, but she's also averaged about nine rebounds a game in conference play. So that uh, I, I agree there for sure. I think on the men's side, it's an interesting analysis as well because I think that there's three defined teams. I think even if Southern Utah won it, I don't think that they have an MVP candidate on their team. I think that they have multiple all-league guys on their team. Tavion Jones, certainly, I think he probably is going to be the newcomer of the year in the league unless Isaiah Brown from Weber State gets it. I think that uh, John Knight III has done a great job of becoming kind of, kind of your consummate point guard. Dre Marine is a veteran guy. He, uh, Mason Fawcett has put up great numbers. I mean, he's going 15 and 7 uh, every night, which is good. But I think those guys will steal votes from each other. Weber State, Isaiah Brown would probably be the leading candidate, but they also have a ton of balance. And then on the uh, Eastern Washington, I think that Tanner Groves has the best numbers, but Kim Aiken's probably the straw that stirs the drink and their best leader. So I think that there's some delineation there as well. I just think it's interesting because I think that the top three teams in the league, they all are balanced. They all score the ball so well. And I think that then that takes away from two things, one, the premier player, but also The notion of being a two-way player because it just seems as if particularly Eastern Washington and Weber State are not very interested in playing defense they're just trying to straight get to 90 and and hold you to 82 so that's another funny part about it we were talking I was talking about this with Riley Corcoran on my daily radio show Nwana is now and uh, who the hell do you vote defensive player of the year in the men's league nobody plays any defense so I have no uh, ability to even think of a candidate
2: that's funny. I, I, I gotta make, I'll, I'll make my MVP note, then I'll get to the defense, because I, I think I do have an, a slight opinion on that. But um, the MVP, to me, I, I don't even think that if Eastern. it's from Eastern Washington, and I don't even know if they, if they didn't win the league, I would still vote for an Eastern Washington player. Um, I think that for me on that team, Kim Akin had these two weeks where he just went off. And one of those weeks was against Montana. And Kim Aiken happens just to fuck Montana up. And that's just kind of how it goes. And they have no answers for him. They never have. I don't think they ever will. He gets up for the game. He believes in the rivalry part of it. Um, he just really plays well against them. He went, He literally went like 24-10 and 10 and like 28-10 and back-to-back. Back. And they really inflate the numbers. What well, I've watched live twice, Eastern, and on the stream three times, I think that Tanner Groves is the MVP. I think he's the most improved player in the league. Um, I think that for him to come out as a senior and, and I think he's their best leader. I understand the Kim Aiken portion of it. I think Kim Aiken's definitely the definitely the more talented player as well as a, a different style of leader. But it's Tanner Groves' team. People are listening to him. I I watched him come out. He's out of games because they're up by 30 all the time. And he's the first one off the bench during timeouts. He's the one cheering the hardest. He's the one, his brother, his freshman brother is a starter. And how cool is that? And the kind of leadership it would take to be able to, you know, guide someone young like that into a role that, like like Jacob Groves is playing. Um, And defensively, he's also – he's a – He's a presence, and, and Kim Akin is as well. I think they're both worthy. I don't think you can really go wrong. I've just seen Tanner Groves do – Kim Akin does stuff that in the league other guys do. They don't look like Kim Akin when they do it. Now He's kind of like the Zion Williamson or something of, of, of the Big Sky Conference. He's, he's a big, bulky, bruising, tough man. But he can shoot it a little bit, and he, and he, he plays kind of like a stretch four. And there are other guys in the league that do that. Right now there's no one that does what Tanner Groves does. He has so many – mismatches and has such an advantage on the offensive end and finishes at the rim really well. Um, maybe it's just one of those funny years where there's no, he doesn't really have a lot of peers. That is Groves doesn't have a lot of peers at that position really. Um, but you know, when that happens, that's how you get an MVP from a guy that may not be the best player in the league, but is the guy that putting up those numbers. So I'd vote for Tanner Groves. Um, but that, that's just a little bit of a, uh, you know, eye test for me uh, defensively. I personally think the most talented defender in the league is Amin Adamu from Montana State, just with his athleticism. I mean, he he has a – he steals it on the wing and has a fast break dunk every single game like it's AAU, like uh, like they do in eighth grade when the, the point guard comes down and looks right and, does, and just tries to pass it to the wing, and the more athletic guy steals it and goes and does a layup. Well, Amin does that every single game, and this is like – pretty high-level Division One college basketball. It's not like that's an easy play to make. Uh, he, he rebounds the ball defensively really well. Uh, you know, I don't know exactly what the steal numbers look like or the block numbers look like across the league as far as his actual statistical impact. Um, it's not like he's necessarily locking guys up because, like you say, Montana State has played some bad defense just like everyone else has. I just think athletically it's the eye test. I think he's probably the best defender I've seen. I don't think that they, he'll necessarily win the award by any means.
0: The Eastern Washington factor here is so interesting, too, because this is the big sky is pinned as a guards league. We had some of the highest scoring guards in the country in the big sky in recent years, whether you're talking Damian Lillard or Tyler Harvey or Tyler Hall or Jeremy Sanglin, Jordan Davis, Andre Spike, as they were you know, averaging 22, 23, 24 points per game, top 10, top 15 in the country. Scoring-wise, yet here we are, and if Tanner Groves wins the MVP, four out of the last five MVPs and five out of the last six MVPs will have been big guys. And the only big guy that has won the MVP, not from Eastern Washington, is Joel Ballenboy. The rest of the guys have been Eastern Washington, whether it's Jake Wiley or Bogdan Blizniak or Mason Peatling, and then now maybe Tanner Groves. And I think it's very fascinating because Eastern is pinned as this spread team that shoots a bunch of threes and scores the ball so well, which is true. But I think they do a better job of it, anybody in the league of recruiting talented but also high-motor big guys. And I think that is the uh, the, the secret to what, the success they've been able to have. So I think it's kind of two-sided. one. They have the most productive big guys in the league. Those guys are going to put up numbers that are worthy of MVP votes. But on the other hand, a lot of people could point to the fact that if you are the starting big guy, at Eastern Washington, the system will then cater to you, averaging about eighteen and eight, no matter what. And if you're a uh, if you rip the the doors off the thing like Jake Wiley did, then you're going twenty two and ten. But the system is going to give you 17 to 18 and 8 every single night. So, I mean, what do you think of that dichotomy, the fact that Eastern is developing some of the best big guys in the league and the MVP has more often than not the last six years gone to an Eastern Washington big guy? But also that's sort of just the way that the system caters to the production that comes from that spot.
2: Uh, they definitely do run a system, and I, I think that it gets a little bit lost as far as the, award, the name of the award goes. And I think it, it goes from pro leagues down to, to college leagues. Uh, is it the best player or is it the most valuable player? And in the big sky, as you mentioned, there's so many scoring guards traditionally in the last you know, two decades, and, but just all through time. There's been guys that, that fill it up. Well, if there's a bunch of those, and then like in a game each team has one, then they kind of offset each other. So who's the most valuable player? Well, the big man that no one can guard, the big man that has no peer. That is where the, the, the MVP has been falling in this league, I think for a reason, because at the end of the day, if your point guard scores 20 and your shooting guard scores 20, and the other guys' shooting, team's shooting guard scores 20, then it's a wash. Those guys are pretty much zeroed out, and then where's the difference? Who's the most valuable player? So I think that, that Eastern Washington has had guys – And part of their system, you know, is to get those guys involved. But part of their system is to stretch the ball around. When you surround big guys with shooters in a league like this, that where defense is played, usually better than it is this year. But overall, there's going to be scoring. If you can't collapse and you can't double a big man because he has so many shooters around, and that's the system. And you know, a lot of that has to do with taking advantage of, of what teams give you or what teams can't cover. So that's why I think the most valuable player portion is called the Eastern Washington because they've been so successful and, and most of their success hinges on winning that big man matchup.
0: More often than not, too, in the Big Sky Conference, the team with the best defense is the team that wins the tournament. North Dakota was sort of outside that model in recent years, but you know Montana and Weber State, that, that's sort of the MO for the team that represents the league in the NCAA tournament. That said, Brooks, we've talked all year. I think the men's league is down. I think that there's a there's a couple elements that go into that, but I think that ironically, the fact that we have the top three teams, particularly Weber and Eastern, that are so dedicated to just winning in a track meet, I think that actually gives them a better chance. If they were to win the Big c tournament and advance to the NCAA tournament, because I just don't think you can grind it out and win a game via defense against Michigan. I think you gotta make shots. So what do you think of that element?
2: Yeah, that we've definitely talked a lot about that is the only way you'll ever win a tournament is by a tournament game in the big dance is by outscoring a high major team. It's just the only way to do it. And we will, I always reference the the bucknells of the world, the the teams that have won tournament games as 14, 13, 12 seeds, um, they, it's because they can score it. You know, they, they score in the, in, the, in the 80s and 90s, and they have three-point shooters. And uh, In the big sky, there's been so many defensive teams that get to those matchups. And they're defensive teams with a good big guy. That good big guy is like 6'8", and just gets owned in the, in the tournament by some future NBA guy. So, yeah, I, I agree. that the, I think that the all three teams that have a chance to win it, have a better chance than, than years past to maybe win a tournament game. Just with, you know, everything's different this time, this, this time in life and you never know, you might catch a team on a bad day. You know, the Tanner Groves thing, I don't think Tanner Groves would, would post necessarily as well as some of the other teams in, in, a, in a big tournament game just due to the fact that he's going to go against a real true big man for maybe the first time in, an, in a year. Uh, but, yeah, like, I, like Weber State who gets up and down and, and can score, I mean, I like what they do and, and a lot of their different pieces. That, it seems like a real fun tournament team to me.
0: Big Sky Breakdown presented by Blackfoot Communications.
1: Change is constant, and nowhere is this truer than with your company's network and network security. With an intelligent SD-WAN solution from Blackfoot Communications, you have a scalable network that quickly connects remote offices and protects your business from downtime. SD-WAN from Blackfoot. For more information, visit blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more.
0: And we'll have all sorts of coverage for you leading up to the Big Sky tournament. I'll get you out of here on this Brooks with just a couple. Uh, buy or sell, Montana, buy or sell, Montana State on the men's side going in the tournament.
2: Sell, sell. Both are both are struggling
0: right now. Um, I think that Montana came coming off their first sweep, but it is just against Idaho State. The Grizz do have an opportunity to go into the tournament having won four in a row and maybe even five out of seven if they sweep Idaho this weekend. But um, you know, I, I just have a hard. I know that the Grizz have really struggled this year. They're tough to watch a lot of times. They're not good offensively, but I still have a hard time. Counting them out in a neutral site scenario and on Montana State's side of things, uh, they just need to find an answer. They need a way to stop the bleeding because they were so good and then they've just been giving up points just in, in bunches lately. And so I just don't really know where they readjust and how they're able. I just don't know how you get back on track. It seems like if Montana State can get the best play and production out of their best guys in Xavier Bishop and Amin Adamu and Jabril Bello. They have an opportunity, but for whatever reason, they have not been able to do that over the last month.
2: Yeah, I mean, Amin is the, Amin Adamo is the only guy that is really consistent as far as his, his effort and production goes. Um, Xavier Bishop just gets lost. I mean, he's a hard guy for me because I just I, I've seen him on the stream, I know his numbers, I've seen him so much, in, I've seen him four or five times in real life where he's just so underwhelming, he just really can't do anything. Um, teams know how to take him away and, and you know i i think he is a good player it's just he hasn't found his footing in conference play the same way that he kind of started the season with a bang and he's had some great games and some big scoring outputs and i get he can get hot and that's important in tournament time but their x factor is to build bellow and and he's had a hard time with with consistent effort i mean he looks tired at times you know he, he looked in better shape he looked leaner and meaner and he's explosive and has all sorts of different tools but he really has a hard time putting it together night in, night out, or even quarter to quarter. So that's where you know that's kind of what's holding back Montana State. They they have so many new pieces, and they kind of found their stride early in the, in, the, in league play when they were, you know, they were the number one team in the conference early on through five or six, maybe seven games, and, and it was kind of exciting. Like, oh look, Montana State, Danny Sprinkle has something going here. Then it's just really it fell off a cliff. So that's a hard sell for me as far as I just don't think that they have any continuity as far as what, who they want to be or what they want to do, who's going to shoot it. They, they have some depth in a way, not really productive depth, but they can play guys that don't lose them games, but they just can't stop anybody. So defensively, that's tough during tournament time. And then Montana, you know, the, 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 the narrative, which I don't know if you've heard this, Colter, but they play three freshmen. Um, it seems <laughs> that everyone, that they really want to, beat that horse till it's till it's laying down and dying uh they play three freshmen if you listen to the stream or you listen to the radio or, or you or you you're in person or you listen to travis to talk on a, at a press conference he'll let you know that they're young um and and i get that and i think everyone else gets that uh, they're one of the youngest teams in the country they played more minutes as freshmen they played as many minutes as the freshman class this year as last year's senior class did I could tell you stats that Riley Corcoran is rang off on the radio till, this, till the sun goes down today. But I'll save you the, the, the pain of that. Montana has struggled, and I don't, I don't think if they hit their peak that they would have a chance to, to win the league this year. Like If they found their stride in Boise, they could definitely win a game. They might even win two games. I don't see that happening. But I don't think that they have a chance to, to win a championship with such a young, inexperienced group. And the leadership on that team comes from really young guys as well. You know, they lost both their grad transfers. Uh, the the leaders on our team are are the likes of Kyle Owens and Derek Carter Hollinger, and you know, those guys are sophomores, and uh, they they're just real young. And I, I offensively, like you said, it, it's uh, it's a pretty brutal thing to watch. So Travis has his hands all over that all over offensively what they're doing. He, he's pointing and, and, and yelling and telling everyone what to do in, in, in tournament time. Maybe it works in an empty gym in Boise because there won't be any fans, but uh, it's a hard sell for me.
0: Brooks Nuana's Big sad Breakdown presented by Blackfoot Communications. Have some more guests and interviews for you a little later on, so stay tuned right here. Brooks, thanks so much for taking the time. We'll uh, we'll be back next week. We'll be live and in person doing podcasts in Boise, so we'll look forward to that. But in the meantime, thanks for joining us.
2: Yeah, absolutely, man. Boise's coming soon. It feels like a little bit of normal, so. Uh, I get to sit on a basketball court for the first time in 365 days. Wish me luck.
0: Can't wait. It'd be awesome nuana is Now is hitting the road to bring you all the tournament madness you need this month. Montana's favorite sports talk radio show will be broadcasting live from March 8th through March 13th from Boise, Idaho, the site of this year's Big Sky Conference basketball tournaments. nuana is Now will feature premier guests from around the Treasure State live from 4 to 6 p.m. Monday through Friday. And thanks in large part to the generosity of Stockman Bank of Montana, Nuana's is Now will be hitting up the big dance the third weekend of March as well. The nuana is Now tournament takeover presented proudly by Stockman Bank of Montana. We go now to Rangish Brothers RV phone line. Welcome in a great friend of this show and a good buddy of ours. He hasn't been back in the saddle in a little while because we've been waiting for football to return, but football is now back in the FCS. Sam Herter joins us on the Rangish Brothers RV phone line, and he covers all of the FCS for Hero Sports. Sam, it's been a little while. How you doing, my man?
3: Yeah, things are going pretty good. Uh, We finally made it to the the spring season after – Uh, and up and down summer into the fall, and then we hit January, and, you know, there were some some major opt-outs, obviously, and, you know, a little uncertainty about whether the spring season is going to happen, but here we are and had a full week last week and another full week this weekend, and uh, things are off and rolling, so it's pretty exciting to be covering uh, the FCS right now.
0: I know in my role at Skyline Sports covering the Big Sky, there was so much of uh, uncertainty because there were so many different states that were represented and so many different situations that everybody was in and it was a lot of apprehension coming into the spring season is it going to happen is it not going to happen which schools can feasibly make it happen and then when the montana schools dropped out it sort of uh lulled a lot of that anxiety because i think there's some schools in the big sky that uh can more realistically go forward with this just because you know either they're in california or they have indoor practice facilities or whatever but seems as if the main league is the Premier League in the FCS, and that's the Missouri Valley Football Conference, in terms of the steadfast desire to play. So uh, just from a national perspective and then kind of the two power conferences out west, what did you think about the way each one went about it and why do you think it is that the Missouri Valley is just charging forward and there's so many teams from that league that are participating?
3: Yeah, I mean, the the Valley was very motivated to play even back in – in the fall, I know their commissioner, Patty Vivarito uh, was very adamant in the summer, you know, saying she believed that the playing in the fall could happen and they could make it work. And then obviously, you know, dominoes just started to fall pretty quickly. And I think the Big Sky was the first big conference to go out and then the CAA opted out of the fall. And then the Valley, you know, followed suit from there. But, you know, going into the spring season, you know, every team was on board. Indiana State kind of, came out of nowhere and uh, decided to opt out of the spring season. Uh, Indiana state was the only program to do so. I, I, I know that ruffled uh, feathers within the Missouri Valley football conference, just because they, they didn't completely revamp their schedule, but they had to switch some teams out uh, here or there. And uh, but, you know, overall not, not a huge deal with Indiana state opting out just because they are, you know, kind of a, a bottom tier team in that conference. And then, you know, with the Big Sky, honestly, the Big Sky was, was one of the conferences I was more nervous about uh, as far as, you know, a conference as a whole opting out. Well, I mean, when you have three of the top five teams, uh, you know, not per, not participating in Sac State and Montana and Montana State, uh, then you have, you know, a couple of schools in in california where you're wondering if they would be able to make it to work you know be able to make it work you have eastern washington in that part of the country wondering if, if they'd be able to make a spring season work and so i was i was a little nervous about the big sky maybe going you know what it's, teams are just way too spread out and, and it's gonna be hard to make this spring season work so let's just opt out as a whole uh but i mean it, it's a good thing that that the the big sky decided to to go on with the spring season and they have some games coming up uh this weekend so i i know it's it's a you know competing for that Big Sky title, probably a big asterisk next to it just because of those teams that did opt out. But, you know, there still are a good chunk of teams uh, playing in the Big Sky this spring.
0: Sam Herder joining us from Hero Sports, breaking down the FCS as a whole as football got underway in the FCS last weekend. And, Sam, talk about that element of it. You mentioned Indiana State, the one school that to topped out to of the Missouri Valley Football Conference. So it seems as if the champion of this spring season will be a, a valid and... Uh, um it will be a legitimate championship, but then when you get to the playoffs, you will be missing some key subjects. So, where are we at with just with what teams are currently chasing? I mean, if and when NDSU wins another national title, is this does that come with an asterisk too, or or not? I, I don't really know how to put this into perspective.
3: Yeah, I I think it does a little bit, but you know, I I don't know if it's a ginormous you know asterisk next to that. Uh, next to the spring national champion, I think even if, even if all 127 teams played, it, it, there still was going to be that. Oh, you know, that was that weird spring season with a with a 16 team bracket, and you know, not all the top teams got in, and it was a weird year. And so, I still think, you know, matter you know how many teams are playing, how many teams are not playing, whoever wins it, there's always going to be kind of that mark next to the 2021 spring national championship. But that doesn't mean whoever wins it isn't deserving. Uh, I mean, obviously if, if NDSU was the favorite again, if they beat, you know, Weaver state or James Madison or South Dakota state and, and, and Frisco, I don't think anyone is going to say that, you know, that team didn't deserve it. Or even if South Dakota state beats James Madison and Frisco, I don't think anyone's going to say that team didn't deserve it. Now, you know, the, the bracket is slimmed down. You know, there's only six at large bits to go around uh, those three main big sky teams, uh, you know, opted out, uh, Towson out of the CAA opted out. They potentially could have been a factor in the playoffs. And so I think we all realize that the playoff bracket will be weaker, you know, in years past, but you still have, you know, some of those you know top four to five teams in the FCS still vying for that national championship. And usually every year it usually it does come down to two, maybe three, four teams every year to win the national title.
0: What was your perspective on the opening weekend? We had uh, some teams open last weekend, including several Missouri Valley teams. I know North Dakota had a nice win. Uh, South Dakota State had a, a really good win. Um, North Dakota State maybe didn't dominate like people expected them to, but they still, they still were in control of the game for pretty much the duration. What were some of your main impressions just from around the country and around your neck of the woods the Missouri Valley this last weekend?
3: Yeah, you know, it, it felt you know a little more normal than I expected watching FCS games. You know, obviously, you know, living in Minneapolis, you you wake up and it, it's it's cold out and it's February and you're not really expecting to be watching FCS games. But once you kind of got you know you know into the into the routine or into the into watching a bunch of streams at, at the same time, it kind of felt like a normal weekend of watching FCS football. And you know, there was you know. You could tell that for some in some games and some teams this is their first game action in quite some time, but you usually get those game one uh you know rust uh you know you usually get that in a normal fall season anyways, but you know overall, I thought it was a pretty clean and crisp looking uh first weekend in the f c s South Dakota State had that huge win against northern Iowa. I thought that was a well played game, both teams look really sharp uh, you know that was a huge win for South Dakota State because. If you lose that first game, you know now Northern Iowa pretty much has to run the table because if if the Panthers take a second loss. If you're six and two in the valley this year, I, I don't know if that gets you into that slim down playoff bracket now. And and so that was that was a huge game. Uh, you, you know, you mentioned UND; they made a huge splash in their first season in the valley. You know, I thought Wofford looked really good. Uh, James Madison's run game looked really really good. Granted, that was against Moorhead State, so so that was to be expected. But but they've shown that they've shown that they have talent uh, every year. And then yeah, North Dakota State's uh, new quarterback Zeb Nolan. Uh, You know, was was a bit underwhelming. I don't know how much stock I want to put in that uh, just yet just because that was uh, Zeb's first starting action in in a a number of years. And so, uh, you know, we need to see more from him and from North Dakota State. And, you know, I I saw some people saying NDSU doesn't look like the number one team in the FCS, but, I mean, it's it's NDSU, and if they have to grind out wins this year, then then that's what they'll do.
0: NDSU I thought was smart by playing the one game – in the fall, which then pretty much allowed them to have a essentially pretty normal beginning to the season, you know, conduct a fall camp practice through September and then have that October 1st game and then kind of shut it down as opposed to just calling off the whole thing or as opposed like Central Arkansas to playing pretty much a full schedule. Do you feel like watching issue did you see any, any inclination that that was a, an advantage or that that was a, a step up from the rest of the, the field?
3: Yeah, I think I think that was an advantage uh, for NDSU uh, to play that one game in the fall, and probably more importantly was the, the number of of hours they got per week, pretty much doubled, just because they had to uh, prepare for that one game against Central Arkansas against Central Arkansas. So I think that was uh, overall a, a, a pretty big advantage for NDSU. Now their game against Youngstown State still wasn't the most crisp looking. Uh, uh, especially offensively, but I thought defensively they had some some new names in there as far as starters, uh, and they were playing fast. It didn't look like, you know, that was their first start of their career, and I think a part of the reason why they looked, you know, so solid for, for you know, first-year starters was a lot of these guys did start in that game against Central Arkansas, so maybe they didn't have that, that first game jitter. So, yeah, I do think playing that game in the fall for NDSU was a big advantage for them.
0: Sam Herder joining us. He works at Hero Sports. He's one of the head writers there at Hero. They cover the FCS as a whole, do a great job across the board. And Sam, let's pivot and talk about the big sky now because I think it's uh it's gonna be a fascinating league this year, particularly because the defending state uh defending conference champion, Sacramento State, is not participating. Neither is Montana, neither is Montana State. And I thought Portland State had a chance to actually be a dark horse in this spring season because they have a four-year starter, Davis Alexander, at quarterback. They're not participating either. Uh, And the Northern Colorado, they also shut it down. So we have to wait to see the debut of Ed McCaffrey and his team as well until the fall. But a whole bunch of other schools, including ones that have some pretty good national reputations like Weber State and Eastern Washington, are moving forward. Uh, So we'll get into some of the details, but just broadly, uh, what is your general thoughts just on the Big Sky and where they might uh, play into this national playoff picture?
3: It it really would have been fascinating if – Every team from the Big Sky played this spring just because, you know, there there, there are six uh, large bids to go around. And, you know, I I think a conference like the Valley potentially could get two of those. But, I mean, if the Big Sky, if you had, you know, Weber State in Montana, Montana State, Eastern Washington, Sacramento State, you know, there could have been five teams fighting for three, you know, total bids into the playoffs, and that would have been – really entertaining but but instead you know three of those top 5 teams are no are no, no longer playing in the spring uh, obviously and so the top 2 for me you know definitely have to start with Weber State uh, you know they have they have all the pieces in place except for quarterback and and it'll be interesting to see who they go with you know whether it's the Middle Tennessee State uh, transfer Or if they go with True Freshman, who, I mean, he is a 21-year-old True Freshman, so he's not a young man in Bronson Barron, but uh, we'll see if if they go with him. But other than that, I mean, Weber State has everything else in place. You know, Eastern Washington, for a while leading up to this weekend, I I, I predicted that Weber State would go undefeated, and I predicted Eastern Washington would go undefeated. I I actually think Idaho is going to take down Eastern Washington, Uh, uh, in this weekend's matchup the Eagles have had an interesting few weeks you know uh, they've had a few assistant coaches uh, resign uh, to look for other opportunities Uh, Eastern Washington Eastern Washington's depth chart that they came out with you know they had some key guys missing uh, on there Uh, now does that mean they're not going to play not necessarily but it was interesting that You know, a guy like Andrew Boston wasn't listed, you know, on there too deep. And then, of course, uh, you know, Aaron Best tested positive for COVID. Uh, Thankfully, uh, the last, you know, we checked in, he was asymptomatic. uh, And so that's good. But he'll obviously miss uh, the Idaho game. And so there's just a a lot of things kind of going against Eastern Washington right now. And we know the Vandals got the best of them back in 2019. So, I, I like what Eastern Washington has coming back. I do think they have the top quarterback in the FCS. I, I, my my gut feeling is just that Idaho is going is going to kind of put a wrinkle and plans here and take down Eastern Washington.
0: It seems as if there's so many teams too that have so much to gain by playing this spring season, just in terms of the solidification of a lot of different factors within their program. Uh, a school like Idaho, since returning to the Big Sky, they've been mediocre at best, and, and honestly not. Not in the the middle or top tier of the league I mean they've they've sort of been in the bottom half of the big Sky since coming back, but now they have a chance with a fresh start a new quarterback um, and I think um, an opportunity to maybe prove that they belong at this level, but that seems to be like there's multiple factors like that. I think it's a big time prove it season both this spring and next fall for Eastern Washington, particularly for coach best. Uh, I think that there's a lot of different schools that are participating that have a lot to prove. Can Idaho State get back on track after they were pretty good two years ago and then they just completely fell apart down the stretch this last year? You know, Southern Utah, how hungry are they to compete in the Big Sky since they already know they're kind of on the way out the door? Uh, Northern Arizona in year two under Chris Ball, they just weren't very competitive defensively last year, and that's kind of his identity. So can they get that part shored up? To you, though, Sam, what are some of your favorite and most intriguing sort of storylines within the Big Sky?
3: Uh the, the top one, you know, is definitely Weaver States and if they can make that uh you know that that jump from quarterfinal team to semifinal team to potentially, you know, competing for a national title. So, you know, nationally it definitely is Weaver States. Uh within the big sky, uh, you know, definitely Cal Poly, uh to see how they do in their first year under under Bo Baldwin. Uh, you know, to see exactly I mean, we know what the offense is going to look like, but, you know, how good is that offense going to be, you know, basically doing a oh, 180 there from the triple option to a more uh, spread, spread attack. Uh, overall, too, with the big shot, you know, really interested to see how these coaches kind of attack the season. You know, if you're, if you're in northern Arizona, you know, I know they had, uh, you know, kind of the, the, the coaching philosophies changed there, and that, that, you know, resulted in a lot of transfers going out of northern Arizona. And maybe NAU isn't ready to compete for a playoff spot this spring. And let's say you know Northern Arizona falls to one and three, you know, but they're competing well. But they're over, overall, they're one and three, and it's pretty obvious they're not going to make the playoffs. You know, what do they do then? Do they still roll out the you know three senior offensive linemen, or do they start you know playing some true freshmen because it's a year of eligibility? Do they start playing their their number twos you know on defense just to build depth and, and basically say, hey, you know what? it's not looking like we're playing uh, in, in the playoffs this spring. Let's start building depth toward the fall season and, and, you know, try to make a run at things there. So that's really what I'm interested in seeing in the big sky and really all over the SCS is, is once teams, you know, it, it, it seems pretty apparent, they're not going to make the playoffs. What do they do then? Do they start using it as a developmental year or do, or do they start rolling out their number ones in games? So that'll be interesting to see once we hit, uh, you know, April into the later part of the season.
0: Listening to Nuwanez now, 102.9 ESPN Missoula, as well as statewide on SWX Montana Television. Sam Herder joining us from Hero Sports. And Sam, that's a, such an interesting point. I actually made that exact point on the show. Uh, I guess it would have been Wednesday when Sean Rainey was on with me because I do think that because there's 16 teams and not 24 teams, because there's an extra auto bid so there's one less uh, at-large bid, I do think that the Big Sky – would, is going to have a, a hell of a time getting more than one team into the playoff bracket. So then, what's the magic number for losses then when you transition toward using it towards a developmental season uh, in, in, going into the fall? I, I think that the one loss, okay, maybe you're still com- trying to compete and see if you can you know, just have a bunch of upsets go your way, maybe sneak in the back door. But I think once you get to two, and certainly once you get to three losses, then that's sort of... Uh, where you're going to have to pivot. Or maybe not have to, but a lot of, I think a lot of schools will. So, I mean, do you agree? Is, is that kind of the magic number, two or three losses? I think
3: two is the magic number for the Big Sky. I, I don't see a two-loss team from the Big Sky uh, getting that in that large bid. Uh, you know, even, a, like I mentioned earlier, even a 6-2 and two Valley team uh, might have a hard time uh, getting into the playoffs. I, I think if, if you have one loss in the CAA, uh, or, or the valley, you have a good shot to make the playoffs. If you have one loss in the Big Sky, uh, I still think you have a decent shot, but you still are kind of sitting on that bubble uh, because I believe the Big Sky is playing six conference games. So, if you know if Eastern Washington finishes five and one, and that one loss is to Idaho, you know how, how does that resume stack up against you know a, a six a, a six and two Northern Iowa team versus a five and one Eastern Washington team? You know, neither team played non-conference, so like, how exactly do you stack up those playoff resumes? So I think one loss in the Big Sky, you're nervous, but you're still sitting decent on the playoff bubble. But yeah, once you hit two losses, I really have a hard time seeing a two-loss Big Sky team making it into the playoffs this year.
0: One more question about the big sky. I think that one of the most intriguing storylines coming into both spring and then fall, because I know when these other teams are kind of back in the fold, there'll be an intriguing storyline that sort of resonates across the league, and that is one... Of quarterbacks. I know in the media we give quarterbacks a ton of play. It is the most posi- important position on the football field at pretty much every level of football. But in the big sky, we have a fascinating dynamic because you have Eric Berrier at Eastern Washington as a returning starter, multi year starter. Davis Alexander at Portland State is a returning starter, multi year starter. But every other school in the league could have a new starting quarterback. Like Cam Humphrey has started games at Montana, but he could be the starter or Chris Brown could be a starter or a couple of the transfers that Montana brought in could be the starter. Montana State, Tekarovic, started fifteen plus games there for the Bobcats. But Matt McKay, NC State transfer. Uh, A lot of good reviews so far, even though he has never played in a game for the Bobcats. Weber State has a brand-new quarterback because Jay Constantine entered the transfer portal. Sac State's in the market for a new quarterback because Kevin Thompson also entered the transfer portal. Case Cookus is finally done at Northern Arizona, and it's just on down the line. Idaho State's going to have a new quarterback. Matt Struck left that program. Mesa Petrino graduated at Idaho, so there's going to be a new quarterback for the Vandals. And so there's just on down the line so many different – and you know Bo Baldwin at at Cal Poly has a a quarterback up his sleeve. Jake Mayer has graduated at UC Davis finally. So there's just a variety of uh, new faces that will be in the mix at the quarterback position. What do you think of that storyline within the Big Sky Conference, Sam?
3: We'll see some guys – uh, you know, step up. You know, I, I, I feel like UC Davis, I can't remember the name, but I feel like they really like the guy that, that they have stepping in into the shoes to, to replace Jake Mayer. And so there's going to be a lot of new names. Um, I still think the, the Big Sky is going to have a great quarterback play. It's just for a little bit, we, we just aren't sure exactly who those names are going to be. And it's kind of the, the same in the Valley too. I mean, I, I think there's only – I want to say two starting quarterbacks coming back in the Valley and then everyone else is, is starting uh, new quarterbacks as well. So it's a big sky, te- uh, a big sky thing. And also a Valley thing, which is interesting because I think these are two of the top conferences in the FCS, but all of a sudden you start looking at the quarterback situation and you go, Hmm, you know, this, this could get interesting. If some of these teams that are usually at the top of the conference. If they can't find their guy at quarterback, then maybe we might see some other teams uh, slide up in, in, into the
4: top tier.
0: It is interesting, too, because Kevin Thompson's departure at Sac State, that was that was sort of um, abrupt and predictable at the same time once Sac opted out first, both of the fall and spring seasons. And, you know, the guy's already been in college for 100 years, so he started shopping himself <laughs> around. I know at North Dakota State, too, I mean, Trey Lance – is one of the most prodigious talents that we've seen. So his his opportunity to come out so early is not really one that is is uh, standard or typical. In fact, it's completely unique at the FCS level. But is there any other trend you can point to as to why these two power conferences do have so many uh, new openings at the quarterback spot? Uh, I
3: I think you know a part of it you know is because uh, these teams found their guy for. Uh, you know, it seems like a lot of the, these teams have you know two or three year starters. Whether it's you know going to the valley, whether whether it was a guy like Easton Stick or a guy like Karen Christian, you know Case Cookis going to the big sky. Case Cookis was around uh, for for a while. Uh, Jake Mayer was there for a few for a few years at UC Davis. So I, I think it was just one of those things where you know these programs had a freshman or a sophomore step up as their starting quarterback and they felt great about their quarterback situation for two or three years and then all of a sudden all these guys graduated or, or, or moved on or transferred uh all you know all in the same year. So now it's just one of those one of those weird years where you look at the valley in the big sky like we said and you know you can count on you can count on one hand how many returning starting quarterbacks are, are coming back.
0: Sam Herder joining us from Hero Sports and Sam will get you out of here on this Give us a bold prediction or two for what you expect this spring season to be like. I mean, are we going to see the status quo? Are we going to see the Bison holding the trophy at the end of this thing? Or, or what, what are some of the, uh, the things that maybe could be atypical about the football action these next several weeks in the FCS?
3: Uh, you know, it, 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 it's, it's hard to predict against NDSU uh, right now. I still see them making it to Frisco. Uh, you know now whether a team like Weaver State can knock them off. I, I think that depends on, uh, you know, de- depends on on the quarterback spot for the Wildcats. But I guess my my one bold prediction, or I don't, I don't know if it's overly bold, but I do think Kennesaw State has, has a pretty decent chance to make it to the semifinals. Uh, you know, that'll be a, a new name. Uh, usually, we see a team from you know, the Valley, the Big Sky, and the CAA make up the Final Four. Uh, but I do think Kennesaw State uh, from the Big South has a pretty good shot to make it to the semifinals because they, they really should roll through their regular season undefeated. That should get them a seed, um, and I think that could, you know, propel them to making it to the semifinals. So that's not an overly bold prediction to have Kennesaw State in the semifinals. They, they have been, you know, making strides every year. But, you know, when you look at all the past semifinals, it usually is the same suspect. So you know, we might get some new blood in there this year.
0: He's Sam Hero. You can find all his great work, Hero Sports. Sam, tell people what you got cooking and just how to follow you, how to find all your awesome writing and and coverage and your awesome social media and all that stuff too.
3: Yeah, uh, my Twitter handle is Sam FCS, and our website is heroesports.com. Uh, you know we'll we'll be covering uh, the FCS all season all, all season long, uh, doing fun stuff like releasing our top twenty five predictions or our top twenty five ballots, our, our playoff predictions. You know, trying to figure out what the playoff bracket is going to look like, sprinkling some some player features and all that as well. So I uh, would love to to interact with everyone on Twitter as well at Sam Herder FCS.
0: Sam, appreciate it, man. It's nice catching up with you and uh, be well, stay warm out there, and we'll uh, we'll cut, we'll talk to you soon.
3: All right, that sounds great with me, and thank you for having me on.
0: Hey, it's Coulter Nuanas from is Now, your favorite daily sports talk show. We appreciate everybody that's been listening in. If you have been listening in, you know that I have a bunch of great guest hosts that join me each and every week. We're taking this show on the road. We're headed to Boise, Idaho for the Big Sky Conference Tournament. Riley Corcoran will be one of the prominent guests on the show. And Riley, we're excited to broadcast from Boise at the Big Sky Tournament next week. The
5: Coulter, there's no better time than tournament time. And we are so lucky, not only next week in Boise, but the following week as well. We are taking this show on the road. I'm not Not sure Boise and India are ready for us, but here
0: we come. We will be making an appearance at the Big Dance as well in Indianapolis, Indiana to cover the NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament. It should be fun. Thank you to all of our great sponsors for sending us on the road, including Stackman Bank, Nick Tabor of Westpac Wealth, Carl Tyler Express Lube, Aspen Sound, and Crawford's Automotive. Nuana is now each and every weekday from 4 to 6 p.m. right here on 102.9 ESPN Missoula, as well as statewide on SWX Montana Television.
1: Change is constant, and nowhere is this truer than with your company's network and network security. With an intelligent SD-WAN solution from Blackfoot Communications, you have a scalable network that quickly connects remote offices and protects your business from downtime. SD-WAN from Blackfoot. For more information, visit blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more.
0: Welcome in to the ESPN Roundtable. The ESPN Roundtable is presented by Paradise Falls of Missoula. ESPN Roundtable airs right here on Nuwanez now in the 5 o'clock hour each and every Wednesday as well as Thursdays at noon time, right around lunchtime. And uh, Paradise Falls, they are the presenting sponsor for our bracket challenge. We can't talk about that with this guy that's on the call. We don't want to get him in any trouble, but be sure to tune in with March Madness coming up. We will have a big bracket challenge, a ton of prizes for all you out there. So we hope everybody enters a bracket and gets involved in all the fun that is the NCAA Basketball Tournament. And it's almost tournament time. We welcome in to the ESPN Roundtable, Mac Anderson. He is a junior for the Montana Grizz men's basketball team. Our second week in a row having a Grizz guest, which is fun. And Mac, let's, uh, let's get the bad news out of the way first. The games this weekend against Idaho uh, are called off. We all know the reasons why. Uh, but here nor there. As an athlete, though, how do you adjust your mentality? Because I'm sure these cancellations have been really frustrating for you guys. But at the same time now, this is the end of the year. So now you have to just move on and get ready for the tournament. So what's that transition like?
6: Yeah, I mean, it's obviously tough. Uh, You got stuff happening. It feels like every week something's going on in our league. But uh, there's nothing we can do about it. Um, I think we're trying to maybe get some games in this weekend before the tournament so we can play and not take that whole week off. But Regardless, we just got to control what we can control and get ready for next week.
7: Mac, do you want do you want the hard question first or do you want to save that for later and and go with some softballs to start?
6: Well, go with the hard question.
7: (laughs) All right. Here. All right. Here we go. Have you ever committed a foul where when the rest call you for one that you actually think that it was a foul? (laughs) <laughs> because you seem to have a shocked look on your face almost every single time with the refs.
6: <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I, I I, I, think that some of them are fouls. Um, obviously, like you said, I think some of them aren't, but I definitely – there's some times when you know it's a foul.
7: <laughs> what's, the, what's that like when you go back and, and look on film or something like that if you're like, man, that was not – a, uh, a foul and you're freaking out against the ref a little bit. And then you look back and you're like, okay, maybe it was, or do you, or you're not going to admit that?
6: Uh, no, I'll admit to that. But I'll also say that it, it goes the other way around too, where, you know, you say that, that it's not, but I mean, yeah, I do foul. I do foul.
0: <laughs> it's good. It's take pride in your fouls, man. My, I'll tell you a story. I swear to God, I made the varsity basketball team in high school only because of my ability to foul. My dad's best friend <laughs> paid me $5 a game to foul out. (laughs) Sorry, I got a call there. I will edit that part out. My dad's best friend, he paid me $5 a game my senior year of high school to foul out. And then he told me he'd give me a $100 pickle barrel gift card if I fouled out every game of my senior year and I did it.
7: So take pride in your fouls, Mac. Make them worth it. I love it. That, that, that sounds like some, like, bounty gate stuff yeah, going on yeah, right? in high school culture. I know. I I'm know. sure that they were, you know, suggested to be hard fouls, too, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
6: that's
0: right. Well, when you're, when you're a six-foot-one guy playing center, it's not that easy. Uh-huh. <laughs> Mac Anderson joining us on the ESPN Roundtable. He is a junior for the University of Montana men's basketball team as well as a Montana native, and that's the part I want to get into, Mac. You kind of one of the only guys from this state representing in this state right now. And I know it's been sort of a common storyline of your career because there hasn't been that many Montana guys that have played for Montana. But here, now that you've been doing this for a handful of years now, what's it been like just representing Montana and kind of getting some media exposure as the guy that's from Montana playing for Montana?
6: Yeah, I mean, it's great, obviously, uh, being from Montana um, and being able to represent this state and be a part of this program here. Uh, I take a lot of pride in it. And this year, being the only guy from Montana, it's a little different. I mean, last year, we had Jared and Kendall. And, I mean, it's just – it's whatever. It's it's different, but I obviously embrace it and enjoy being able to kind of show these guys what it means to people in this state, especially with uh, certain rivalries and stuff. Playing the Cats is always super exciting and, you know.
7: What has it been like um, for you this year just as far as, you know, as a – college kid as a as a student athlete like you know there's so much mingling and you're normally like seeing everybody and social life is is what it is and and this year it's been so difficult like how would you describe like just how you know crazy this year has been like um with with covid and not being able to have kind of the normal you know social routine as, as long as well with the, the basketball
6: yeah I mean it, it's it's tough um I think socially obviously is a big part of this whole experience so it's definitely a lot different, uh, I feel, for our team. It's tough because we got a lot of new guys, so they haven't really experienced that. And obviously, Missoula is a great college town. So it's been tough for them, but we're getting through it. Uh, I mean, it's just different, but nothing we can do about it, so. What sort of stories do you tell the young guys? You know, like, hey, this is somewhere
0: we might be able to go, or this is something we might be able to do when we get back to normal? Because, I mean, we talked to Josh Bannon last week. He's like, man, I haven't done anything. I don't really even know about Missoula yeah. and hanging out with Missoula. So, What sort of things do you tell the young
6: guys like, hey, this is maybe what we can get back into? Yeah, well, I mean, all of them or most of the guys that are here now came on visits. So they kind of got a gist of it then. But um, really, I mean, I don't know, just tell them stories and stuff. I mean, I feel like they kind of know what it's like a bit just from the visits and just kind of hearing from it from other guys that have been here. But I mean, it's it's tough because they really haven't experienced any of it yet. so.
7: This time of year, you know, it's obviously March. The weather's getting nicer. We had, you know, some high school playoff games last night. Like, what do you remember from, like, this this time of year from, you know, when you played in high school till now? Like, what is the beginning of March and the weather getting better? Like, what is this kind of, like, what kind of emotions does that bring up for you?
6: Uh, it's exciting. It's the best time of the year, I think. Um, I mean, obviously, you got the tournaments coming up. Weather does get nicer. Sun stays out a little longer. Um, But, I mean, it's just the overall sense of kind of excitement for the tournament time that I feel around this time of year. So, definitely feeling that right now.
0: Mac Anderson joining us. He's a junior for the University of Montana men's basketball team. He's also a native of Bozeman, Montana. And, Mac, a lot of transitions going on at Bozeman at the high school sporting scene with the opening of the new Gallatin High School. Uh, So, do you still follow high school sports? Do you still keep up with your your alma mater? you still keep up with the Bozeman Hawks?
6: Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I try to keep up with them a little bit as much as I can.
0: So, uh, interesting fold with Wes Holmquist, the guy you played for in high school, moving over to Gallatin High. So, is there – what what do you think of just the fact that he's coaching what's now Bozeman's inner city rival?
6: Yeah, I mean, it's it's, uh, kind of crazy. He told me a while ago um, before he was heading over there about it. But I think it's a great opportunity for him to be able to be with his girls and be able to coach them through high school. I'm sure that will be a great experience for all of them. So, I'm excited for him there. And then I think that Bozeman High is in good hands, too, with Hosteller running the show. I think he's a great coach. Uh, He helped me a lot in high school. So I was excited to see him coaching there as well. So I'm happy for both of them. um, And I hope that they can keep having some success.
7: Mac, I got to apologize to you because during our last SWX broadcast in one of the games, we were talking about how good you guys are at the free throw line and and shooting and stuff. And Uh I – without looking at the exact numbers, I might have suggested that, yeah, when, when Mack Anderson might be the worst free throw shooter on the team, like that means you're doing pretty good. But I look up the stats and you were not the worst free throw shooter. You're at like 76% and you're above a few guys. So I, I got to apologize for that because uh, you, uh, you're definitely not the worst from the line. It's
6: right. <laughs> uh, I get why you would say that because I've definitely struggled uh, the last couple of years and in high school a little bit too. I didn't shoot a great percentage, but getting it up the last couple of weeks, I guess.
7: What's that? I mean, you guys are been so good from the line. And I think that was kind of one of your kind of the, the the bugaboo of a couple of the teams when you were younger. What's it like knowing that, like, hey, once this game gets into a free throw battle and, you know, we have like full confidence that like every single person on our team could go up there and knock it down.
6: Yeah, I mean, it's obviously a great thing to have good free throw shooting, um, but it is, it is kind of funny being on teams in the past where it's something that we haven't been great at. But, I mean, it's a part of it that you got to get better at.
0: Tell us about the evolution of your role here now because uh, you, you kind of you guys had to wait your turn. You played a lot of spot minutes, but then with uh, sort of the abrupt departure of Michael Stebbins, now you're in the starting line, you playing really well, particularly when you can stay out of foul trouble. So uh, how's it, what's it taken mentally just to stay ready and, and embrace the opportunity you've been provided here these last couple of weeks?
6: Uh yeah, I mean it's it's definitely like you said, just staying ready. Um My whole time here, it's kind of been a roller coaster uh, with my role, just going up and down. But you just got to be ready for whatever is asked of you. And uh, I know, like I've said before, just being bought in helps, and just yeah, just staying ready and being a part of it, doing whatever you can to help us. This this
0: day and age, it's so easy for guys to walk away. This is something that we've talked to coaches about a lot. I mean, it seems like if something doesn't go your way even for a month. Guys are looking to be out. They want transfer. Does the fact that you, you grew up wanting to play in this state, does that help you stick with
6: it? A hundred percent, yeah. Uh, for me, it's a big part of it. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, you just grow up being a part of it and just watching it. Uh, it's kind of what I always wanted to do. I didn't know if I wanted to play here at Montana State, but obviously made the decision to come here. And, uh, I mean, it, it means a lot to me to be here and to be able to play here. So I I think it definitely does help with it a little bit.
7: How would you describe, you know, I I mean, talk to you when you came in as a, as a freshman, you're like, I I need to, I want to bulk up a little bit, get a little stronger and then work on, you know, developing skills. How would you describe how you've done in that process of like working on certain things? And then obviously you're always kind of trying to get better. So like, what are some of the things that you're still trying to work on and improve and add to your bag?
6: Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I've definitely gotten a lot stronger. Uh, my weight hasn't changed a ton, which has been, it's frustrating at times uh, when you're trying to gain weight and you can't, but I can def. I definitely feel stronger. I, I jump higher than I did in high school. And I mean, even though I haven't gotten a, a ton bigger, I do definitely feel stronger. But I mean, one of my goals for this next year is to put on some more weight, obviously. um. I mean, I it's easy to say that, but it's 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 obviously shown that it's kind of hard to do. Um, yeah. but uh but yeah, I mean I think that I've definitely gotten stronger. Uh defensively was a big adjustment when I first got here. Um I didn't really play a lot of defense in high school. I blocked a lot of shots, but I was just kind of taller than everyone in Montana. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um I think that was a big part of it for me coming in and then just being more confident on offense and I mean it's just it's a, it's a different level here, obviously.
7: What's your what's your vertical
6: now? Ooh, uh, high 30 ish. We haven't ish. tested in a while. Yeah. Okay. Because I was going to
7: say if you want to give me and Coulter like an inch or two, we'll give you a couple pounds. Yeah. We can make a trade there <laughs> and then we'll be good to go. <laughs>
6: <laughs> that's funny.
0: Back, uh, Anderson, joining us is the ESPN Roundtable presented by Paradise Falls. Be sure to stay tuned to Nuanes now for more details on our. Uh, bracket Challenge presented by Paradise Falls. Paradise Falls is also a great place to watch any sporting events. They got all the high school state tournaments coming up. They'll have those live streamed each of the next several weekends. They'll also have all the Big Sky Conference tournament action next week as well. And Mac, I want to ask you just about being a part of this program in general because you have been a part of some of the highest points of Grizzly basketball, particularly during the Travis DeCure era, and then this year has been a little bit more of a struggle. So. Uh, what's how do you compare and contrast the two experiences being a guy that was on NCAA tournament teams to now being one of the older guys on one of the youngest teams not only in the conference but in the country
6: Mm -hmm. yeah I mean it's uh it's it's definitely been interesting this last year um when I came in we had a um one of the older teams I feel like we had we had five seniors playing uh juniors I mean Tim Tim was a sophomore that year but uh it's it's a lot different just kind of how those guys have gone out and we have a new class. It's all freshmen, sophomores now. Um, Cam and I are the only juniors really playing. Um, so it's definitely a lot different. Um, I think that the one thing that's kind of – been the same the whole time. is just the culture and the feel of our team. Um, regardless of the guys that are in here, that's something that we kind of try to keep going the whole time. So I think that we've been doing a good job of that. And it's just continuing to build that throughout this year and then next summer and just continuing to grow with this group that we have right now.
7: I think there's going to be limited fans at Boise. What has it been like this year playing with no fans? And in particular for you, I think one of the fun things that people like to watch is the, the dunk layup line before the games and that I'm, I'm sure that you like throwing down some dunks in front of the student section. You're not able to do that this year. It's gotta be a bummer.
6: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's totally different, especially at home. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a big part of it is a big part of playing here. So it's, it's uh it's definitely different, but. It's, it's tough. You just got to bring your own energy. And we've been we've been trying to do that. Uh, we have a bit of a smaller bench now. But I think that the guys that we have, we try to bring it every day and bring it to every game. Um, but as far as the warm-ups and stuff, I mean, that's kind of – it is a fun part of it. Put on a little show if there's a good crowd there. But, I mean, it is what it is. Just different even. Does,
0: does this year sort of put into perspective, though, how, how big the home court advantage is in Missoula? Because I feel like you guys have had some games this year where – if, if there was five thousand people in the stands, you guys would have won those games.
6: Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it, you can definitely feel it. I think more so at the start of the year, it was it was just, it's just weird. Like you're used to having that uh, energy and that feeling in there, and you guys know how it is. Um, so it, it is a little different just playing in an empty gym. But I mean, we definitely I, I miss I miss our fans. A
7: sure. huge a huge block on defense or a dunk on offense. What What do you prefer?
6: tough um probably block, probably yeah. block shot. I don't what's, know what, what, what's your favorite dunk favorite dunk I'd say my go-to like if we're just messing around probably just a windmill uh windmill off two feet that's probably my go-to dunk how
7: how old were you when you were first able to dunk a basketball
6: uh I do remember first time yeah it was uh um uh, going into my sophomore year of high school like the summer going into it
7: I would have thought it might have been even earlier.
6: I know. I uh I grew pretty steadily. I think I was like 6'2, six, 6'3 six, my freshman year. Um, I was a little more uncoordinated though, so it was the jumping <laughs> part was hard. But I I started figuring that out. Uh, <laughs> going into my top four years.
0: <laughs> From a big basketball picture, who are who are your favorite players? Who who did you who did you kind of model yourself after? Who did you want to be like when you were growing up?
6: Uh Well, my favorite player growing up was Kevin Durant. Um, He's definitely my favorite player still. Um, I don't know. I don't really like comparing my games to a lot of people, but I definitely like watching him play a lot. Um, I like watching, I don't know, I'm a Nuggets fan, so I enjoy watching Jokic and Jamal Murray play. They've been exciting to watch the last couple of years, and then, Lately, to uh, Anthony Davis and Braun in LA, I live with Eddie and Darius, so they watch every Laker game on the TVs. We're always tapped into their games. So, but I'd say those those are probably my favorite players right now that I enjoy watching. What moving
7: forward, like what do you? What's like the uh, one area that like I want to try and improve upon in, in this area?
6: Yeah, um, I think just being a uh, consistent offensively, uh, I try to do it defensively um, and just bring energy and help us. Uh, on the defensive side of the court, but being uh, more reliable and consistent offensively and just being more confident on that end of the court, I think, is a big step. And, uh, yeah, it's probably just more more, uh, consistent offensively and uh, playing with my back to the basket a little more confidently, probably the biggest area that I'd want to work on.
0: You mentioned living with Eddie Egan and and, uh, Darius Anderson. What's that experience been like? Get not just those two guys, but just getting to know guys from uh, not only all over the country, but a lot in some cases, guys from the other side of the world, like Josh Bannon and Fabian Frizelvic and stuff.
6: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, I think it's a really cool experience that you don't that um you might not get um if you're not uh playing college sports. Just being around, or just being in college in general, I guess. Just being around so many different people from uh, different areas around the world. Like uh, my freshman year, I lived with Ben Carter from Australia. And then last year, Kendall and Jared, I lived with them and Ed, but uh, it's 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 a cool experience. You kind of just uh you kind of just get thrown into it with a bunch of these different guys, and just being able to live with them and uh, build that relationship is a pretty cool experience for sure.
7: Are we how are we excited for for Boise? I know it's going to be different. I think you guys have to wear some ankle monitors, and you can't go <laughs> anywhere. So I imagine maybe bring in some of the the game consoles and playing a lot of two K. I know that's been kind of big for you guys. Is that what we're kind of looking forward to here?
6: i think so um i think i might have to because we all have our own room i think is what's going to happen so really we're gonna be in the room all day i don't know i'll I'll obviously do some homework and stuff but i feel like that's a lot of alone time so we might have to (laughs) might have to bring the system
7: yeah you're gonna have to get some some you know netflix and figure out some shows to stream or something
6: too yeah something but i'm really excited um I mean, freshman year, obviously we didn't get to have it last year, but freshman year, just like the energy and the feeling in Boise and just having everyone in that town, is it's all downtown too, so it's kind of a cool experience. But we'll see how it is this year. I feel like it'll be a little different, but that same kind of general excitement will be there, for sure.
0: Mac Anderson joining us on the ESPN Roundtable, presented by Paradise Falls in Missoula. Mac, we'll get you out of here on this then. It's easy to forget or easy to remember that the Montana Grizzlies are the two-time defending champions in this tournament. It seems like forever ago that you guys were cutting down the nets in Boise, but uh, a lot of coaches in the league say, hey, that's still the team to beat. Until you beat them, they're still the team to beat. So do you guys take pride in that element, and what is it going to take for Montana to make a run next week in Boise?
6: Uh Yeah, I mean, I, I think that we definitely take pride in that. Um, being able to win the tournament freshman year was was really cool experience. i um, really glad that I was able to be a part of that team. Um, and I mean, next week we just want to go play as hard as we can and do what we do to try to get back to that so
7: remember Mac, one vertical inch for about five pounds of, <laughs> of, that that'll be the that'll be the swap that we'll make moving forward so. <laughs> <laughs> I could still only
0: have a like 30-inch vertical. If, uh, if, I only got, if I gave him 50 pounds, I'd still only have a 30-inch vertical. He gave me 10 inches. Well, Mac, we appreciate the time, man. I know you're busy. And uh, good catching up with you. And uh, best of luck. I know no games this weekend for the University of Montana men's basketball team. They are off. So the next time they take the court, we'll be in Boise. We'll keep you up to date as far as the seating, the timing, all that stuff. Well, Mac, appreciate you taking some time with us. And uh, best of luck next week. Sounds good.
6: Thanks, guys. Thanks, Mac.
1: to more.
0: What's up, everybody? Thanks so much for listening. You're tuned in to Nuanes Now, your one stop shop for all things sports across the great state of Montana each and every weekday. Right here on 1029 ESPN Missoula, as well as statewide on SWX Montana Television. If you want to get a hold of us? You want to shoot us a text or give us a call? You can do it by dialing 406 361 3688. That's 361 3688. Or guest join us via the Rangish Brothers RV phone line. If you want to listen to the show live on your mobile devices, you can also do that. All you have to do is go to 1029ESPN.com, click on the Listen Live tab and you will find the stream. The stream is presented by Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your op- your opportunity. And it's time now for our Coach's Corner, presented by Opportunity Bank of Montana. And we go to the Rangish Brothers RV phone line and welcome in Brian Katz. He's the head coach at Sacramento State, longtime head coach at Sacramento State. His team slated to play Montana State this weekend to wrap up the regular season. And, Coach, we haven't talked to you so far this year, but we always love having you on the show. Welcome back. Thanks so much for joining us.
8: I appreciate
0: you having me on. So it a lot of fun. Let's talk about the big sky in general this year. We make a big effort to talk about the fun and the positive parts of <laughs> what, what we've been going through here the uh, the last uh, couple of years because I think uh, everybody I think everybody's been pretty tired of talking about the bad parts. So let's talk about the good things. So uh, you have been in the league now for a long time. So what what is this your overall evaluation of the league this year? It seems like it's a much different league than it's been the last couple of years with a lot of new faces on a lot of new teams.
8: You know, I've always thought the league was pretty similar uh, each year, meaning there's a lot of, I call it, like teams or unlike teams. Now, this is kind of how I would I would uh, say it this year. I, you know, I felt like from the beginning, Eastern Washington and uh, Southern Utah, are I think they're a little better than everybody else. And then I think after that, I think everybody's pretty equal. And, um, you know, for me, I've always seen the big sky that way. The example I always give is it's, it's not the WCC where the difference between Gonzaga and everybody else is from here to the moon. And so, you know, there, there's just, there's so much parity. There always has been in this conference. So I, I do think, I thought early on that in watching tape that Southern Utah and Eastern Washington were a little bit better. but But that doesn't mean they're invincible by any stretch. And this season's
5: been crazy for more reasons than one coach, but I want to get your take on a veteran of the league 13 years as the coach of Sac State is what you think of this format this year and really the impact that it's had. What has it been like for coaches like yourself and assistants that have been with you for a while that you grind after that Thursday game and the adjustments are so interesting to see for both coaches for Saturday? What has it been like, your thoughts, I guess, in general on this format and
8: the the grind in between the two games? You know, you'll laugh. I like it, and I never thought I would, and I'll tell you why I like it. Here's the deal. Normal year, right? Let's say we play Montana, Montana State, all right, in that order. You spend Sunday to Thursday working on Montana, all right, Then you play them. You spend Friday, a day and a half, on Montana State. So it's five days on the first game, the Thursday game, day and a half on the second game. What I like about it now, you got a clear path you know you're focused on montana state this weekend thursday saturday the game's over on thursday certainly you're going back to film making adjustments it becomes even more like playing chess now this would never ever happen in a traditional format because everybody would want to you know play each team once at home once away but i don't like it at all i actually kind of like it you always feel like you're you're really playing from behind after the Thursday game, you know, you're, you're. It's almost like you're, you, you spend five days again on the Thursday team, and you spend a day and a half on the Saturday team. That's just me. I know Travis doesn't agree with me. I talked to Travis about. it. He goes, "No, nah, I don't like it. I don't like it."
5: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think many people maybe would agree with Travis. on yeah, how yeah, too, no, when it comes it,
8: to it. it is an
0: interesting factor, Coach. I want to ask you a question about roster construction right now in the Big Sky because I sort of had this epiphany when I was covering Montana State against Weber State. In Ogden about a month ago, when they announced the starting lineups, I realized there's only one player on the floor that was a high school recruit playing for his team. Everybody else on the floor was a transfer of some form, whether it was a Division One transfer or a junior college transfer. And I know it's sort of become the way of the world and, and it's the state of division one basketball right now, but you yourself, you have such a deep junior college background. And I know you guys have always had uh, great junior college players on your roster. So what is your perspective just on sort of the state of affairs and when it comes to transfers right now, both in the big sky and just across division one men's college basketball?
8: Well, I think everybody saw it coming. It, it's, it's, first of all, starts way back down below it, it culture of basketball, you know, AAU teams, high school teams, kids change teams pretty routinely. Uh, and then, you know, when you go ahead and you see the way the transfer rules are going, where they're where basically the NTA is allowing, they want to make it, 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 it able for anyone to move anywhere at any time. So that's going to be the way it goes. And it's just, it's called, you know, adapt or die. It's just the way it goes. Now, we haven't taken a lot of transfers over the year, ironically, over the years. But we, we actually have three on our roster this year. And uh, they're all three pretty good players. So I, I just think it's just the way of the world. I, I think that's the way it's going. And, um, you know, I, I laugh because everybody tried to tell me early in the year, oh, Weaver, that's not going to work out with all those transfers. And I said, I wouldn't bet against Randy Ray. he will get burned. Don't do that. <laughs> and, of course, look at him. <laughs> that's a heck of a team, I'll tell you. We had two dogfights with him this weekend. Uh, they're a really good team, as good as good as teams I've seen him have, you know. And really close on
5: Saturday, 72-70 to 70 was the final. It came down to the final couple shots. We're to- talking with Brian Katz, the longtime head coach at Sacramento State in his 13th year at the helm. He's the winningest coach in school history. He's a native of Sacramento, but, Coach, I-, I want to go into the other piece of this. You're the Sacramento State grad. There's a very exclusive list out there. And, in fact, it's something that you have common with the two Montana coaches up here in our state. You three are the only three, you, Danny Sprinkle, and Travis Takir, that are coaching at your alma mater in the Big Sky Conference. So, just from a broad scope, what does it mean from a pride standpoint of of you being invested in the program? Because when I watch you coach on the other sideline, you are invested for 40 minutes. And when I watch Coach DeCure, it's the same thing. It just seems like it's a different level, at least from my chair. What's it like from your perspective for the pride of coaching at your alma mater? You know,
8: to put it in perspective even more, uh, my RSID, Brian New York, texted me something in the fall. There's 35 coaches total, I think even in Division 2 and 1, that are coaching at their alma mater. I mean, 35, I Think that's not very many. And what I would just say is this, is that I think that, number one, what which you, which you get when you get someone who who is from uh, Sacramento State or from Montana, Montana State, you certainly get, uh, in my, my opinion, they come in way ahead of the curve, they understand the culture, they understand what works, what has worked, what hasn't worked. I also think what you really see is, is a real investment into, you know, the whole deal. Uh, certainly, Travis having played there, huge. Danny having played at Montana State. Problem with me is I'm I'm old enough to remember those guys, and they played, and I was coaching. So, you know, I mean, I'm way behind that curveball on that deal. But, uh, no, I, I think, to like, just in my, my situation, you know, like, you having gone to school here, having lived in Sacramento all but six years of my life, you know, certainly you're going to dig in harder. You're going to dig deeper. You're going to feel more pride about it. You're going to be, you're, you're certainly not looking at a stepping stone. Not that you guys couldn't, you know, take another job. But if you look at it, uh, going back in time, Montana's done it better than anybody. Always, you know, keeping it within the family and handing it off to the assistants and the success speaks for itself. Speaks for itself. That's why I thought Danny Sprinkle was a great hire for Montana State. I really
5: believe that. And coach, you lead me right into it because it's very unique in the college basketball landscape anymore where you have continuity with your assistants and all three of your assistants have been with you for a decade. Brandon Laird, your associate head coach, assistant coaches Chris Walker and Nate Smith. What is that? How much of a benefit is that for you from the head coach's chair? And what's it like? I'm sure you guys have plenty of stories. The four of you working together for 10 years or more, that has to be pretty special and something that uh, you're happy with
8: well my ops guy too uh, AJ Riding played for me and he's been here twelve years so let's say five of us ten years or more I'll just say say this way it's like I always give these guys a bad time. I say well how's prison without Mars you know <laughs> <laughs> you guys are doing you, you guys are doing hard hard time. Uh you know what it, it, it's tremendous. Uh, and they all have a Sacramento connection as well. They're all from Sacramento uh, and so, you know, really, ultimately, uh, when the staff is in sync, they speak the same language, the same culture. They can recruit to you. Uh, your preparation is seamless. You know, it's just it's it's really, really good. You're not struggling to uh, orient new coaches to, that really don't have any background with you and all of the above. So it's really good. And I think the big thing is the players benefit because. There's a consistent message, and I think that's really, really important in coaching. I really do.
0: Brad Katz joining us, 13th year head coach for the Sacramento State Hornets. And, coach, I know that uh, it's always tenuous previewing upcoming matchups because we never know what's going to happen. That's why we like having coaches on on Tuesdays because the interviews are a little bit more pertinent just because nothing has gotten called off usually by that point. But regardless, <laughs> tentatively, you guys are scheduled to play Montana State this weekend. So uh, in Danny Sprinkle's second year, Bobcats have a, a new look compared to what they've looked like in previous years. So what's your overall impression of Montana State?
8: you know, I think they're really good. I really do. You know, I don't know they hit a little rough spot, but I think that happens to everybody. We're a little bit of that ourselves, but, uh, they, 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 they hit a hard, hard patch in the schedule, but you know, the kid 13 down low is just a load, my goodness gracious. And you know, the, the left-handed kid, number five, uh, you know, look at me I'm Mr. Number, right? I don't want names. It's a mean, <laughs> I Jabril 13. I, I know, I know numbers, but believe me, I know numbers. And, um, uh, the little guy, Bishop number one, wow, is he lightning in a bottle? He is. I just sit there and marvel at watching him. I go, oh my God, how, how's he going to get this shot off, much less getting in? And he's just so creative and innovative around the basket. And Oh my God, don't leave him open. And, um, you know, they got a real good team. Uh, they got some depth, uh, a little bit of a rough spot, but, you know, Danny does a great job. Um, you know, they, they defend. Uh, they make it real difficult for you. They change your defense a little bit, play some one-through-one. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's going to be a handful. It'll be a handful. Uh, I, it wouldn't, look, it wouldn't shock me if you told me they to end up winning the tournament or we end up winning the tournament or Montana end up winning the tournament or whoever – I, just, I think there's just not that much difference between these teams. I really
5: don't. It's going to be wild in Boise. Again, talking with Brian Katz, longtime head coach at Sacramento State. His team getting ready to take on Montana State in Bozeman, hopefully this weekend with Boise on the horizon next week. I'm going to talk about your team a little bit. You have a, a three-headed attack offensively, Coach, with Ethan Esposito, Bryce Fowler, as well as Christian Terrell. You can, it has to be nice to have those multiple options offensively. How would you say maybe your team's identity changed a little bit this year when I watched your squad having the three-point threat of a William Fitzpatrick. It seemed like you guys retooled a little bit offensively in your eyes and in your words. Uh, how would you best describe maybe the identity of your team there?
8: Yeah, we've definitely improved offensively. We're getting, you know, we're. I think it's one of our best scoring teams the last few years. Not quite as good defensively in a consistent fashion. Now, sometimes we are, sometimes we aren't. Uh, but in terms of offensively and to be able to score and shoot the ball, you know, we, we've been able to, to, to definitely, uh, like you say, retool and, and come up with some things. Uh, you know, we got a real fide guy, that, a three-point shooter, in Will Fitzpatrick, that, you know, you, you're just, you want him to hunt. You're looking for, you're trying to create openings for any way you can, and you feel pretty good about it. If he gets a look, it's got a great chance to go down. Ethan Esposito, I mean, we call him Raging Bull. I mean, he's just... <laughs> He just attacks and attacks and attacks, and he puts you in a, in such a tough spot because he's so physical offensively. Uh, and, you know, he's really matured. He came to us three years ago as a junior college transfer, as a sophomore, was very foul-prone. He's not that anymore. He's done a good job with that. Rice Fowler's been a four-year starter, and, uh, you know, we call him, you know, kind of the Swiss Army knife. You know, he can do a lot of things. And then uh, Christian Terrell is a, a, a young man that, from Sacramento, we've known him since he's a ninth grader. He's a transfer from UC Santa Barbara. And he's lightning in a bottle. He's a tremendous athlete. Uh, you know, He can dunk on you in a second. He can make plays. Um, he, we had him last year sit out and really work on his shooting, and his shooting has really improved, although not at the foul line. <laughs> I don't want to bring that up. <laughs> We're laughing because how many guys, he's shooting 53% from the field, 41 from three, and he's 27 from the foul line. I mean, Christian, come on, man. Close your eyes. Let's go. You got to love it. Well, no, coach. He, 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 he'll fix that up. He'll fix that up. I'm sure he will. Well,
0: well, coach, we're looking forward to the games this weekend. We're certainly looking forward to the tournament in Boise. I think we both share your sentiments that it is as wide open as it has ever been. So it should be uh, quite the experience when we get to tournament time. But thanks so much for joining us. Uh, we always appreciate your time, and uh, best of luck with the rest of your season.
8: Yeah, I really appreciate what you guys do. Uh really appreciate the support for the big sky. I think it's great. And I don't think anybody knows it better than you guys. You guys do a great job with it. So hey, hopefully uh, we'll see in Boise. And uh, main thing is let's get that tournament uh, let's get eleven teams up there, let's let's have the whole tournament not have it called off at all for any reason. Games lost, teams lost, all of the above. That would be victory in and it of itself, I think.
5: No doubt, Coach. Thank you.
0: Hey, it's Coulter Nuanas from is Now, your favorite daily sports talk show. We appreciate everybody that's been listening in. If you have been listening in, you know that I have a bunch of great guest hosts that join me each and every week. We're taking this show on the road. We're headed to Boise, Idaho for the Big Sky Conference tournament. Riley Corcoran will be one of the prominent guests on the show. And Riley, we're excited to broadcast from Boise at the Big Sky tournament next week.
5: culture, there's no better time than tournament time. And we are so lucky, not only next week in Boise, but the following week as well. We are taking this show on the road. I'm not Not sure Boise and India are ready for us, but here we come.
0: We will be making an appearance at the Big Dance as well in Indianapolis, Indiana to cover the NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament. It should be fun. Thank you to all of our great sponsors for sending us on the road, including Stackman Bank, Nick Tabor of Westpac Wealth, Carl Tyler Express Lube, Aspen Sound, and Crawford's Automotive. Nuana is now each and every weekday from 4 to 6 p.m. right here on 1029 ESPN Missoula, as well as statewide on SWX Montana Television. Up next, we'll hear from Montana State second-year head coach Danny Sprinkle. His team snapped a five-game losing streak at Idaho on Sunday. Must-have win for the Bobcats. They were coming off of an embarrassing loss on Friday night to Idaho. that gave the Vandals their first and only victory of the season. MSU sits at 7-5 and five in conference play, and they are still in the mix for a bye in the first round of the Big Sky Tournament. Here's Danny Sprinkle. His appearance on Nuana is now my daily radio show that he makes each and every week Montana State head men's basketball coach. Every week we welcome in Montana State second year head men's basketball coach Danny Sprinkle. And coach, your team was uh, sort of in a precarious situation on Sunday. You lose to Idaho on Friday, uh, a confluence of events, more than a 10-day break Yeah, you don't make a three pointer, and uh, you're playing a team that was trying to get out their first win. Well, they get it. So now you guys have a pretty much must win scenario on Sunday, and your team gets it done. You beat Idaho 71 61 in perhaps the last game in Memorial Gym, which is maybe the oldest gym in the entire Big Sky Conference. So, what did you think of your guys' ability to bounce back on Sunday?
4: I thought it was great. You know, obviously, it was, you know, disheartening, you know, with Friday and, and, uh, you know, Idaho played really well. They've been playing well, to be honest with you. You know, like they, they've they been in some games and just, just hadn't got over the hump. And, you know, they made shots. You know, they had a kid who basically had made like five threes all year and was shooting 16% and made three in the first half. You know, so like they – but that's what seniors do on senior weekend. And, uh, you know, they played well and they outplayed us on that Friday night. And our guys, you know, their ability to bounce back, I was proud of them. I think it, it showed a lot of character. Um you know, and it showed kind of what they're made of. You know, it, it, Friday night was not easy. Saturday was not an easy day for them. And, uh, you know, for them to bounce back Sunday, I was proud of
0: them. Now with your team kind of into the stretch run here, two regular season games left this weekend against Sacramento State and Bozeman and then the tournament next week where are you at? I mean, what are you, obviously it's good to be coming off a win on Sunday, but you guys had the long break. So what do you think you guys need to get done to get ready for the post season?
4: I mean, we, we have a lot, you know, we, we still got to get, you know, into shape. We got to get back into a rhythm. You know, we actually had to, uh, you know, we had to quarantine on Monday. Um, as you know, Idaho had a, had a positive test. And so we had to, uh, you know, we weren't able to do anything until yesterday afternoon. And so, you know, which is probably good you know, to give the guys a day off after playing you know Sunday, but you know we we need every day that we can be in the gym just to to get our rhythm back to get our shooting back, and uh you know who you know we'll see what happens with Sac State this weekend. Um, you know we're still working on this the scheduling of those games, and so you know we've got to get a little bit better today. That's all you can do in you know this past three hundred and sixty five days is just take today if we're able to get on the court get better and uh you know because we we got we still have a long ways to go and we only have about a week and a half to get there
0: because it's this time of year, we've been talking a lot on this show, Nuana is now, about all-conference picks. I'm not going to put you on the spot in terms of who you might think be, deserves to be all-conference, other than I wanted to just ask you about a couple of your guys who we think are definitely all-conference nominees for Montana State. Uh, certainly your backcourt. I want to start with those two guys, Amin Adamu and Xavier Bishop. have both been really good this year, and so if you were uh, sort of campaigning for these guys if you were to put these guys accomplishments on full display and uh, make an argument for them to be all conference players what sort of things have they brought to your team this year
4: you know I, I thought you know consistency you know they they've been they've been really good almost every game and i think if you look in the games that we've won they've, they've played really well um you know javier he's always got the ball in his hands teams are double teaming him, they're hedging him, they're hitting him when he goes in, like, you know, he, he's he's fought through a lot, and you look at his percentages, like, he's been really efficient. Um, you know, he's kind of the motor to our team, and kind of guys play off of him, and, uh, you know, he, he's had some really big games, especially, you know, when we won our six in a row to start. Uh, Ahmed Adamu, same thing, uh, you know, he played tremendous at Northern Colorado, played tremendous last Sunday, you know, that, that really sparked our team in a time that we needed it. Uh, you know, NAU, he made you know he took a big charge and scored a you know kind of a game winning basket you know so you know those two guys you know as seniors you know they they've made plays when they've needed to be made and uh they they both had tremendous seasons uh you know and the other kid you know and you may have mentioned him in there, you know Jabril Bello you know he's when he's been on the court he's been he's been really really good uh you know we've needed everything he's given us uh offensively and defensively you know the Portland State games he won those games for us by him blocking shots, and because uh, there was times where we couldn't get stops, the only times we got stops is when he blocked shots. And uh, he's our anchor down there, and, and uh, so I, th- I think those three are all, you know, very you know very deserving.
0: Certainly, was going to ask you about Jabril Bell next. Is that the key factor then, Coach? Is just him being able to stay on the court? Because I know sometimes in this league, uh, the <laughs> we'll say this delicately: the biggest, strongest guys don't get an opportunity <clears throat> to play the most minutes. So uh, is that the biggest key for him is to stay on the court? <laughs>
4: Yeah. I mean, he's in our 12 league games, you know, he's probably been in foul trouble, probably nine of them, um, you know, and, and it's hurt. And, and, and I'm not blaming anybody else. Like a lot of it is his, you know, his doing too. You know, he, he's, you know, and he's become a little more disciplined, you know, with, you know, playing without using his hands and playing lower and things like that. So, you know, and that's a learning progress. me. he started playing the game late and so he's, he's gotten better at it, but you know, when you're playing against really good post guys like there is in this league, they know how to take advantage of that and to, and to kind of draw those quick fouls, and and, and it's hurt him. And it hurts our team when he's not on the court.
0: Dave Sprinkle joining us. He's the second-year head men's basketball coach at Montana State. His team takes on Sacramento State this weekend. I want to circle back to Xavier Bishop because it's so fun asking other coaches in the league about Xavier because he is new to the league. Uh, there's only been, like you said, he only played 12 league games and he was a guy that I think not a lot of people, especially the West Coast schools, didn't really know about him until he got to your program. But we talked to Brian Katz from Sac State yesterday, and he would say, man, I'm just mesmerized by this kid. And he's just a magician with the ball and his ability to get to the rim. So, uh, I mean, he, he's just brought a, a sort of a unique flavor to your team, Coach. And I, I wish that there was more opportunity for fans to see him live and in person because he is so fun to watch. He is, and I, th-
4: I think a lot of the coaches... In our league, like when they see him in person, like they can't believe how small he is. Right. You know, like he's, he, you know, he, he even probably looks a little bigger on film than he is in person. Um, you know, which makes it, you know, but that's, that's what's exciting about watching him. You know, he's, he's really hard to guard because he's so low to the ground. And, uh, you know, bigs have a hard time keeping him in front because he's in their legs all game. And, and, uh, you know, I don't know, how, sometimes I don't know how he gets his shot off. You know he shoots at right hand left hand different angles, and you know he's just he's just got a knack to do that and he's i mean he's fun for me to watch, you know, and so it's uh you know i'm glad he I'm glad he's wearing the blue and gold
0: transitioning on you now with Idaho's cancellations this weekend now every single team in the big Sky conference has had at least one conference series. Delayed. Idaho was the one team that was hanging on that might get the 20 games in, Yeah, but not so much. They got 18. And everybody else is right around that 12-14 game mark like your team is, Coach. So one thing that the West Coast Conference has decided to do is they've decided to use an adjusted win percentage formula uh, that Ken Pomeroy is putting together for them. And so when you apply this formula then to the Big Sky Conference, uh, it sort of evens a couple things out. You still have the same top three, but in a different order. Southern Utah, slightly ahead of Eastern Washington, and then Weber State third. And the adjusted win percentage then has Montana State fourth and Montana fifth. I know it's probably too late for the league to consider this, but I, I feel like it actually evens out a little bit and, and puts in a better perspective uh, just the the strength of schedule and the games that were and were not played. So what do you think of just the concept of this? And, uh, I mean, obviously it would be something that would be good for your team because you'd be having a bye in Boise next
4: week. Hey, I'm all for it, (laughs) Dan. I'm not (laughs) smart enough to figure all that stuff out. I wish I was. And trust me, if I was, I probably wouldn't be coaching. But, uh, you know, it's – I think that there's just so many different factors. Um, You know – and every league, every team's gone through different things. You know, like you said, Idaho has played every game until last Sunday. Um, you know, eight of our 12 games so far have been on the road. Um, you know, you look at some teams, have, some teams have played Southern Utah, Weber, and Eastern, who right now are the top three teams, and then some teams haven't played them at all. And, uh, you know, so that, that might be a way, like you said, you know, go through strength of schedule and, you know, who's played what. Um, you know, I think it's probably – it's a great idea, but it's, it's probably, it's too late for the big sky to do it right now, you know, unless, unless some things happen where every team is not going to the tournament, um, you know, which we won't know until this week, uh, depending on the COVID tests and all that. so I don't know, you know, we, we tried to, you know, I feel like the league did a good job getting as many games in as possible for us this year. and, And I thought the coaches did a really good job of organizing a lot of that, you know, before the season even started. And, uh, you know, just hopefully we get these two games in this weekend and we got to 14 and uh, and see what we can do next week.
0: Well, Coach, a couple more for you. The, with the tournament on the horizon, then, I mean, how do you keep it into perspective for your guys? Because as of right now, it seems, because, you know, the schedules have been uneven, the seeds are going to be what they are. They're, you know, they they might be sort of indicative of who is where in the league, but it also seems like... It makes it so that this tournament is absolutely wide open. So how do you keep that element sort of out in front of your guys like hey, all that really matters is next week. We still can make a run in this tournament and go to the go to the big
4: dance. Yeah, you know, and I told them that even after last Friday's loss at Idaho. You know, like it, this game doesn't define us unless you let it define you. You know? Like we got to bounce back on Sunday and then we got to get better next week and then we got to go to the tournament when it matters. Now, whether you're playing four games or three games, it doesn't matter. You know, we, just, we have to stay safe. And we, what, all that matters is when you get to Boise, how are you going to play the first 40 minutes? Once you take care of that, worry about the next 40 minutes. And let everybody else kind of do their own deal. But, like, we, we have to control what we can control. And, uh, you know, and I, and I think our guys, like, especially in leagues like ours, every team knows, like, it just comes down to the tournament. You could go 20-0. and 0. You lose in the first round, it does not matter. You are not going postseason. And so, you know, I think our guys understand that. And, you know, we've talked a lot about the tournament, you know, even throughout the year. Like, that's, that's why we practice. That's why we are playing some of these games and learning some of the tough lessons like, you know, getting whooped by Eastern twice. You know, like, the, you know, we, we learned how much we need to improve in the next, from when those games were over with Eastern until tournament time. And, and you know, that's, that's, that's our main focus right now.
0: Dave Springle joining us. His team hosts Sacramento State this weekend in Bozeman. And Coach, will get you out of here on this. Brian Katz, one of the veteran coaches in the league in his 13th year there at Sac State. And uh, it's an interesting fold. You, Brian Katz, T- Travis DeCure. Three coaches that are all coaching at their alma mater. And I think there's only 19 coaches in the country that are doing that, which is a unique fold within itself. But when you look at Sacramento State, uh, to me, they look like a little bit different than they have in years past. They still have their physical presence, but they shoot it a little bit better and they shoot from the outside a little bit more than they have in past years. What's your scout overall on the Hornets?
4: Yeah, I mean, you can got to imagine, like, a, you know, kind of a typical Brian Katz coach. Like, they are tough. They're physical. Uh, you know, they're, from 15 feet in, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a football game. And, uh, you know, they still do a lot of isolation stuff with Esposito. And, you know, they just try to get you to guard him one-on-one, and he's just he's just a bull in a china shop. Like, he's literally just going to run into you and try to get to the rim. And uh, he does a great job drawing fouls. And, you know, we have to do a good job with our discipline and not fouling him and making him score over us. Um, but, you know, like you mentioned, you know, they, have, they have guys that can make shots. You know, and I think one of the most underrated players in the league, even last year, was Bryce Fowler. You know, I think he's a tremendous player. You know, he's just – he's skilled. He's got size. He can play – pretty much any position one through five and uh you know he, he makes their team better and so it's going to be a you know we're, we're going to have to rebound if we're going to have any chance to win those games because that's that's what they do they try to pound you on the glass
0: well coach we appreciate it we wish you the best of luck this weekend and uh we're we're banking on it we're hoping we're praying we're gonna see it in boys, even if it's just on a zoom call but either way best of luck this weekend and we'll catch up with you soon
4: You got it, brother. Thanks, man. Appreciate
1: you. Change is constant, and nowhere is this truer than with your company's network and network security. With an intelligent SD-WAN solution from Blackfoot Communications, you have a scalable network that quickly connects remote offices and protects your business from downtime. SD-WAN from Blackfoot. For more information, visit blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications, connect to more.